Hello, everybody, and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries, and we do a little show called Solid Steps Radio. Uh, for the past six years, we've been talking to men as our primary audience. We thank ladies for listening, but we've been talking to the guys and men we know. Sports, weather, and politics are something that you like to talk about. We can do pretty easily, but we wanted to do a show that by no means are we going to cover the gamut of, of all the bases of important things, but we wanted to be a resource for men to talk about the things that they may not be talking about in their world. And we really believe that you, men and women, when you hear this, that we believe that you have a destiny with God and that destiny is to walk with God as a son or daughter through and with Jesus Christ. Hence the name Solid Steps Radio, right? So we always wanted to talk about the stories that God is writing in people's lives and also just topical things that men can relate with. And today's topic, I just want to go ahead and give a little bit of a PG-13 rating to the sensitive topic of, of the, uh, the nature of the topic we're talking about today. So parents, if you happen to be in the radio and you're like, I'm not quite sure that this is the topic, you can. we'd love for you to listen to us later. But we are, are talking today about a topic that has touched everyone in some capacity, and that is the topic of suicide. But not really, that's just the only topic. It's really just part of the bigger picture. So we're going to talk about today with the author, a great friend of our show, who we thoroughly enjoy as a friend, but also as a guest, Dr. Matthew Sleeth. So yes, it is great to have you back, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been too long. Uh, yes, it has. But you know, COVID has been uh, you know, kind of an issue. So it's great to have you back. And you know what, Matthew, before we actually start, I'm going to have uh, Chad pray for us, because this is a serious topic and we we want to just bathe this in prayer so sure. chad pray for us will you please father we thank you for this life your word says that we woke up today because you allowed us to wake up and we need you and we love you and there is a purpose for our life and you are the author of the purpose and we pray right now that we and the people who hear this will know and hear what they need to hear and see in their hearts about you and about themselves and I pray that this is a time filled with truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, brother. So, Matthew, welcome back. It's great to have you. You are an ER doctor turned preacher. I say, he's a doctor turned preacher. I, I don't know many people who become a preacher after all that schooling and all that, but well, God, God just, called j- you. Just from the get-go, if any of your listeners want guaranteed advice on how to cut their income to a tenth of what it is, <laughs> It's today. I I can help him out. <laughs> Guaranteed. Matthew, the last time we had you on the show, you uh, <laughs> you, you had your other book that was just released. It was uh, Reforesting Faith, and it was all about trees and trees in the Bible, and and uh, we won't review all that, but listeners, that's a, a, a excellent resource. But how in the world do you start, you go from trees to now your new book called Hope Always? Uh, how to be a force for life in a culture of suicide. How did you get there? Uh, reluctantly, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, suicide is a, is a topic that's, uh, you know, just filled with emotion. And uh, if anybody has experienced it in their family, you know, the pain uh, that it can leave behind. And uh, so it's not really, you know, something I want to talk about at a party or anything like that. Nonetheless, as followers of Christ, truth is is absolutely paramount to the way we do life. 
And uh, truth requires us to talk about things that aren't easy uh, sometimes. And uh, I, I don't think there's very many people that haven't been touched by suicide. And one of the reasons is that it's become so prevalent in society. Uh, and and it, the related, nonetheless, are tragic, and that's overdoses, uh, I think, are also in this category. Well, I, I think I've heard you say in the past, um, as an ER doctor, you have dealt with, you know, suicide, overdose, like every day. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. In the next year, it's estimated that 10 million Americans will wrestle with whether or not to take their own lives. And, uh, you know, we all have thoughts that cross our mind. That doesn't mean we act on them. But of that 10 million, a million and a half are going to end up in an emergency room. And uh, despite all the miracles of modern medicine and the ability to save so many people, um, every, uh, every 10 minutes or so, we lose somebody in this country. We lose about six, five, six every hour adds up to 130-some a day, 2,200 worldwide. And, um, and, and everyone believes that that's a, even an underestimation of, of what's really going on. So um, the subtitle of this book, Hope Always, is how to be a force for life in a culture of, of suicide. I, I just think our, our culture has, has moved where life is not the preeminent uh, thing death is really, and um, so I, I I wrote the book reluctantly. I felt God nudge me. I've experienced you know suicide through work, through friends, that sort of thing, and um, <clears throat> and, and and since I went to medical school um, three plus decades ago, every single year the the rate has gone up almost without exception. And um, significantly, a couple percent a year over the last twenty years. So, um, so it's a it's a growing thing. Still, that wasn't enough to get me to write a book. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and uh, one day, I typed into the Google search bar, <laughs> "What is, what does God think about suicide?" I want to know what would pop up, you know, for the average person uh, trying to find something truth the way that we do these days, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was appalled. The first article that came up was sponsored by the Society of Biblical Literature, and two theologians wrote it and said not only does the Bible not have any injunctions against suicide, that many people believe that Jesus committed suicide. And that absolutely appalled me. That is not—that's heretical theology. doesn't match up with anything the church has believed for the last 2,000 years. And uh, that still wasn't enough to make me do it. I, I went and I read uh, the popular books on suicide, both secular and uh, those from a faith perspective. And then I did what I always do. I, you know, I say, God, you, you're going to have to teach me something in the Bible that nobody else is getting <laughs> in order to, and you know where that can lead with trees, you know, <laughs> woo. Um, <clears throat> and and right there on the first page of the Bible. Um, was the story of Adam and Eve being told that if they did a particular thing, um, that in that day they would surely die. In other words, no doubt about it, <laughs> you're going to die. You're going to commit suicide if you do this. And they not only did it, but they had somebody pushing them. And that was not mentioned in any of the Christian books about suicide. And so I knew that that God had, you know, 
cut the work out for me. So. Yeah, because in one of your chapters, you talk about Satan and the and the the connection with the powers of darkness and suicide. Yeah, it. Uh, if you if you go through Scripture, uh, Satan does not show up in person, if you will, that much in the Bible, but virtually every time he does, either someone kills themselves or kills somebody else. And so that first instance is uh, Adam and Eve. The next time Satan shows up chronologically in the Bible is the book of Job. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> uh, Job is this you know, wonderful example of a uh, godly liver and um, and Satan's goal is to try to get Job to commit suicide. Now, the book of Job is known and has been revered uh, by by believers and non-believers because of its poetry. And uh, and so when when um, for instance, you know, at the beginning, Satan shows up uh, late for the meeting, and God says, "Where have you been? <laughs> you know, you're late." And he says, "I've been going to and fro up and down the earth. That means I'm busy." And so in the in the book of Job, when it says curse God and die, that means commit suicide because we don't just curse God and then our heart stops. Um, and Job is trying to get um, uh, Satan, excuse me, is trying to get Job to commit suicide. And if you, you that's just his modus operandi. And even when he meets the Lord in um, in in the New Testament, he's trying to get one of the things he tries to do is get Jesus to jump off the temple. And uh, so that, that's just the way Satan does business. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a quote almost everybody's heard in the church, John 10, 10. Uh, Jesus gives the bottom line on what's going on here. Uh, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, we've unpacked a whole lot in the first 10 minutes, and we've got a whole lot more to unpack. we got three more segments. So... Everyone who's hearing my voice knows someone who has committed suicide or tried to commit suicide. And chances are you love that person. So we're going to talk more about what that looks like in, from a biblical view and not just theology. But how, does this, how do we live like this and, and show people that there is hope? So we're going to take a break. We'll be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. We want to thank our sponsors for the show before we move on to our next segment, Ellen and Credit Union. They are a local financial institution that helps you with your business, personal banking, whether it's checking, loans, you name it. Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you. Vision First Eye Care. They have 11 different cities. They have locations and in six in the Louisville area alone. If you are in need of some eye care needs, glasses, contacts, or you just need to have somebody see if you have healthy eyes, Vision First can take care of you. And then Frank Enterprises, if you have some septic issues, water drainage issues, landscaping, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. Okay, so Matthew, how in the world, you you mentioned in the last segment about the the progression and the increase of suicide. We were at the height back in the, the Great Depression time. And then, but but recently, in the last number of couple, several decades, we've seen suicide climb. And now it's at like an all-time high. It's at an all-time high. And we're at 14 per 100,000. That's how suicides are measured, per 100,000 per year. And uh, the, the depression was 14 to 15 per 100,000 per year. But if you think about it, back in 1930, it was a whole lot easier to kill yourself. Um, we didn't have 9-11 systems. We didn't have ambulances. Most hospitals didn't even have emergency departments. There was no such thing as emergency medicine specialty or anything. 
So by and large, uh, for the most part, when people overdose or even 20% of people who use firearms or who jump in, in trying to kill themselves, they're saved by this incredible medical system. A better measure of the desperation in society aren't the people who are actually counted in that number, but they're the people who are, are trying it or attempting it or being treated for it. And that's the one and a half million in the coming year will be uh, treated in emergency departments for that. If we took all those people back to 1930, we'd lose a significant number of them because the technology couldn't save them. Our rate would be somewhere between 100 and 300 per 100,000. So society's never known a period of really desperation like that. And if you think about it, we've got oodles of things, you know, and uh, we're just overwhelmed with uh, wealth in society, not evenly distributed or anything. Um, And I think that that's part of the lie is that money is going to solve your problems and more things are going to make you happier. And, And yet we've got instances of billionaires, you know, uh, putting a gun to their head and ending it all. And so I think we got to start with, <clears throat> that's a lie. There's a certain amount of material um, security uh, that that is good. And having grown up in, you know, sometimes less than that, I've eaten out of a dumpster, <laughs> okay? I was living on my own when I was 16. Um, uh, there's a certain amount of uh, financial security that's great. But, you know, it's it's ultimately Jesus. It's ultimately the Lord where I find my happiness. And, um, we, you know, we're living now in a society that has unmoored itself from the anchor of the Lord, and it's not going well. Um, and it's interesting because in the secular world of psychiatry, and I have a huge amount of respect for it. I went very close to going into psychiatry myself and in emergency medicine. I dealt with psychiatric issues every single shift um, because I wanted to. Um <clears throat> But the secular world has no way to describe why things are happening the way they are. There's no, there's no why. Suicide is a uniquely human and spiritual thing. There's no animal model for it. There's never been ever a zebra that woke up one morning and said, to heck with it, I'm not running from the lion today. It, you know, when you deal with this, you have to, you have to operate in the realm of the spirit and spiritual um, that explain everything, but I'm just saying, and and so uh, uh, I think that's what's going on is we're seeing, uh, you know, the the lie is things are going to make you happy, more things are going to make you happier. We've got that. It's not. It's not, not working. It's yeah. not working. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what Paul says. Yes. You know, how do we help our help the our culture, our society understand that um, your book, Hope Always, is not about getting more money, getting more material things. Yeah, and 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 I one of my hopes, my prayers for this book is to reengage the church. If you think about it, if if you got a new diagnosis of cancer and you go to your church and you say, I've got you know this kind of cancer. Well, that might be announced from the pulpit. Um, there's going to be prayers asked for. There's going to be rides arranged to the doctors. If you're in a good church, somebody's going to write you a check because there's always extra expenses. And yet there's not one single case of cancer in the Bible, the whole Bible. 
That doesn't mean the church is doing the wrong thing there, by the way. That's the right way to respond to cancer. But if somebody says, I'm struggling with a new diagnosis of bipolar disorder or addiction or something, those, this is not going to be addressed from the pulpit. I have yet, I know there's pastors who do this, but I have yet to meet somebody who has heard a sermon about suicide in a proactive sense. They've heard sermons after the fact, what I would call comfort sermons. There's nothing wrong with the church comforting people. That's one of the reasons we're there. Um, but um, suicide is the one thing you got to get out ahead on. Suicide is the one disease in which prevention is the only acceptable treatment. <laughs> and we got to get in front of this thing. Yeah. Um, t- talk to us about, uh, you, you mentioned stewardship. Um, in the context of this topic. Yeah, and that's in, broadly, that's what I've written about in the past, whether it's stewardship of the, the created earth that the Lord made or stewardship of our time and, and setting aside a day to Sabbath or stewardship of the forest that keep, you know, this planet, the air on and everything. Um, but the most fundamental thing that we are given to steward is our own body and our own lives and our souls. And um, and uh, <clears throat> I think that's why um, we, were, we were talking earlier at lunch, and man, I wish your guests could have been with us uh, for lunch. It was good. Uh, but I, 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 uh, I read, uh, we got 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17 out, and it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. Our lives are a sacred temple. <laughs> and uh, but and yet we've switched to this view of anything goes. Um, the only point of life is to be happy and get your needs met. And, and that's that's a that's a tough place to live. And and it's it's not it's just not true. We we we're not our own. We've been bought with the price. Those of us who are Christians and. Uh, you you talk though um, that Christians are you know they're they're less likely even though they, they think about suicide just as much. Um, we they, we are, yeah we're four uh, four to six times less likely to take our own lives, and those studies have borne out over the last hundred and forty years or so. That's about how long that's been studied. And uh, it doesn't mean that Christians are immune to this. It doesn't mean it's just as devastating, you know, whether you're secular or Christian in a family, if uh, someone commits suicide. But one of the things I did in this book is to focus not on why people commit suicide, but why people in the similar circumstances do not. And that's, that's really key. Unpack that a little bit more. Why the Christians don't. The number one reason is fear of what will happen. By the way, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is what? Fear the Lord. Um, and so they fear what is going to happen, and that is good. You know, the, we, we have these uh, body uh, reflexes. If I touch something hot, I you know immediately withdraw. The Lord wired us <laughs> to protect ourselves, and, uh, and we should have a healthy fear of the unknown and of dangerous situations. Um, so that was one of the things. The second thing, common theme among those who had uh, faced uh, suicide and, and walked through those dark nights, um, was a concern of what would happen to the families. 
of how the family would be hurt and impacted. And there's a Christian writer, uh, Frederick Beekner, who uh, um, I think you and I have discussed before, and he's in his 60s writing about what happened when his dad committed suicide when he was 11, 12. Uh, So it can have generational impact. And so as Christians, we might think about suicide a little bit more, but we don't respond like a person who is not a Christian and and part of that is is that thinking about the influence and the impact the impact and and then um if you're in a good church you have fellowship and fellowship is one of the absolute antidotes for uh for loneliness and isolation and uh uh, I think that's that's where um, and fellowship that's real, where we can where we can say what we're struggling with, um, where we can celebrate another person's uh, victories, that sort of thing, which is key. We're going to continue to unpack that, but we're going to take a break right now. Yeah, we're going to take a break, and unfortunately for us, we're only we're halfway already through our our show. We got two more segments left, but uh, tune in and, and hear what else we're going to talk about here in regards to suicide and the hope we have in Jesus with Dr. Matthew Sleep here on Solid Steps Radio. You really should go to SoundCloud, iTunes, or go to our Facebook page, Solid Steps Radio. Type that in in any one of those three places and you'll be able to hear our shows commercial-free thanks to great sponsors like the Louisville Podcast Studios. We are taping right now and Louisville Podcast Studios. And if you're in the Louisville area, Podlou, that's P-O-D-L-O-U.com. If you want a professional, great sounding, great looking podcast for video and audio, look those guys up. Bright Star Home Care, if you got somebody who you love who needs in-home care, whether it's one day a week or 24-7, Bright Star Home Care can start with you on that journey. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire one day or want to talk about what a wise, finan- uh, wise retirement looks like, Dan Hart can take a look at that and plan with you. And then Southern Smoke Catering Barbecue, Chris Hadley and his crew. Uh, that's a catering-only barbecue uh, uh, joint. They don't have a location, but boy, they got good barbecue. So if you call them up, they'll bring it to you. So southernsmokecatering.com. That's southernsmokecatering.com. Put some south in your mouth. It's good eats. So <laughs> here we go. So Matthew, talk to us about, I, I, let's say I've got a friend or a, a child or a uh, uh, you know somebody, somebody in my life who is thinking about. I, I'm sensing they're thinking about. Maybe they've just alluded to it. Maybe they've even mentioned it, um, just out loud, blurted it out. What should I do? The I believe as Christians, we we are required to be able to give a response of why we have a hope. <laughs> In, in Jesus, uh, we're required to give our testimony on a moment's notice, you know. Um, uh, and uh, so if somebody says uh, they're suicidal or you're concerned about it, first thing is you got to take it absolutely seriously. Um, it, it might be presented as a joke, but much truth is said in jest, as Shakespeare said. And so I think you take it seriously. If you want to engage in this, I really believe that reading a book like Hope Always, or something like it, or, or this book, uh, prepares you. And we don't like to talk about things we're not familiar with. And so bring yourself up to speed on, on this. Um, and I, in the book, because I have a lovely wife who's practical, she said, Matthew, let's put a bunch of practical stuff. You, you need to put it in there. So I give people an opening sentence. 
what to say because it's it's a taboo it's a it's a hurdle to jump over and if you know in your mind what that opening sentence is that's you know you're 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 miles out ahead so i would ask somebody are have you been thinking about harming yourself or has it crossed your mind if the answer to that is yes i think you've got to go deeper if the answer is yes i think you have to ask about um do they have a plan and if somebody has a plan, and then do they have the means? So I've been thinking about harming myself. I would do it with a firearm, uh, and and I bought a gun last month, something like that. You've got an emergency on your hands. So you have somebody that's actively suicidal with the means and a, and a plan. That's the time to dial 911. By the way, never. this is one thing you can never keep secret. Never keep somebody's suicide plan secret. Never. Never lie about it if you have to. And scripture gives us gives me the background to say that. Those two beautiful nurses <laughs> in Egypt who were protecting the unborn the, the boys, and Shipra and Pura, I believe the names are. <laughs> I don't remember their, their transliterated names, but their names mean splendid and beautiful. You know what the Bible thinks about them, okay? You're allowed to, you know. Anyway, so you don't keep it secret. Dial 911 uh, if you if you have to. Another thing I would tell your listeners to put take their phones out right now and put into the phone is 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. That's a national suicide hotline. And um, that's another thing that you can give to somebody. Say, listen, let me share your contact. And, and you can talk. Um, they That's a national uh, clearinghouse for local resources, and they know what's available in the area that, that you're in. And so you, you have to be willing to engage in this. You have to be willing to ask uncomfortable questions, and you have to be willing to act on those, those answers that you get. You don't have to have all the answers, by the way. Um, but you you should have some plan of where you go with this. There there is help available. Absolutely, all over the place. And if you can get people over the crisis period, um, it's 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 much more likely that they will live a, a normal lifespan. So let's talk about the crisis where you talk about the word halt, or it's an acronym H A L T. I did, and I, I'm talking about really suicide proofing somebody, if you will, begins with children. And the first thing you do, you have to learn to eat what you don't want. <laughs> you have to learn to get over it when you've been punished. <laughs> um, and with our kids, we used to do this systems check. You know, if they're getting bent out of shape, are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? A little child cannot differentiate those things. But when you begin to teach it to children, um, they they begin to learn that. And and it doesn't matter whether you're a child or an adult. I, I had this rule that after I was coming off a shift at night at in the ER, I would not make any big decisions. You know, you got to take care of the hungerness. You got to take care of, you know, getting a shower and all the essentials. And um, and so it begins in childhood and it comes through um, that we begin to prepare our children. And I give an instance in the book of flying in a plane. I'm flying into Lexington, a little commuter plane. Uh, me by the window, then a woman, and then her two children on the other side of the aisle. Uh, it was one of those she talked the entire time, and as the flaps were going down, she said, oh, by the way, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a Christian writer. And she said, what are you writing about? And I said, suicide. She got real serious. She said, 
my 12-year-old said he went to die last week. And I said, what? how did you respond to that? And she said, oh, that's crazy. Look at all that we do for you. We fly around the country for your tournaments and everything. She didn't mean any harm, but she was missing an absolutely key time to engage and find out, is somebody bullying him? Is there something going on she doesn't know about? I don't think the woman was a Christian, but if you're a Christian parent, now's the time to find out where your kid's faith is. Yeah, it's a wonderful, I mean, we gotta be aggressive and proactive in having those deeper conversations. The hungry, angry, lonely, tired, sometimes little kids don't even know when they're tired. Absolutely. You know, we have a a society now where you literally can go 24-7, which is why, by the way, one of the most profound things that's changed about society in the last 30, 50 years is dropping Sabbath. And and listeners, if you haven't gotten the book 24-6, it's written by Dr. Matthew Sleeth. Um, it's all about Sabbath and rest, and it's how God's design, and our whole show is not about Sabbath, but it's so it's absolutely true. When we are tired and we are worn out, that's a golden opportunity for the enemy to— That's when we're going to get attacked. That's yeah. exactly right. Absolutely. When we're tired. Um, Matthew, talk to us about— um, the distinction between overdoses and suicides and the uh, the commonality between them and this whole culture of despair. Well, in in the 1930s, by the way, when those statistics were taken, they, were the high, they would have counted most or many of the overdoses as suicides. We separated it out uh, starting a, a number of decades ago. But <clears throat> I believe, um, having been an ER doctor, having filled out a lot of those death reports and everything, you always want to lean away from suicide just because it has such a stigma and impact on a family. And uh, so you're much more likely to put accidental overdose. But that's where you have to have some understanding here of how deadly the drugs out there are. Um, uh, Synthetic narcotics are just, they're demonic. Um, fentanyl is 50 times more potent than heroin. Carfentanil is a 10,000 times more potent than heroin. And as an example, the Canadians intercepted a one-pound package of carfentanil coming in. That contained enough um, drug to kill every single person in Canada. So when you put something in your body today, unless it's got a pharmacy label on the outside, you have no idea. You are you are rolling uh, the dice here, and I think that's something that we have to tell young children. You know, as they're becoming tweens or whatever, that there there are people out there making things to sell you that will kill you, and they don't care. And and that is demonic. It's demonic because yeah. the enemy comes again, like you mentioned earlier. It's to keep to steal, kill, and destroy us. And so we. Um, we got a, a little bit more time left in this segment. We got one more segment coming up. And so it, I just want to stop and say, there's someone who's come to mind during this show. If you're hearing this for 60 seconds or you've been listening from the beginning, somebody came to mind. And if that person came to mind, make a phone call to them. Send them a text. How you doing? And start asking some of those questions. And don't get past the how you doing part of, oh, I'm good. Are you really doing good? I think those are one of those in, in our society where we we have lost touch with intimacy with one another in regards to connecting with people. 
uh, we've really lost that art. So uh, we're going to take a break, come back for one more segment, and finish up here with Dr. Matthew Sleeth on his book, Hope Always, here on Solid Steps Radio. Thanks to our great sponsors like Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry, Drs. Eric Veal and Leah Viola. Uh, They support our show and they have two locations in East and Southwest Louisville area. They do great dental work for you and your family. Please look them up. And also the Southeast Outlook. They're a publication that has been covering the story that God is writing all around the world for more than 20 years, the Southeast Outlook, and also Veritech Generators. If you know someone in the Louisville area, Indiana area, uh, Southern Indiana area, who needs a generator for their business or home or needs servicing, Veritech Generator can take care of that. So Matthew, um, in this last segment, why in the world does the church not talk a lot about this topic? Yeah, and, and that really came home to me. I was asked to talk to a group of young people that were coming through Lexington uh, with a church group, there's 110 of them, and uh, so I met with them, and I wasn't asked to talk about this. <laughs> I think I was talking about trees in the Bible and you know how, how true the Bible is. And then some one of the young people said, Dr. Sleeth, what are you working on? And I said, I'm working on a book about suicide. And from that moment on, you, it was like you could have heard a pin fall on carpeting. It turned out that um, the group was traveling with a nurse because two of the young people are on, were on active suicide watch. And one of the young ladies sitting right up front had just lost a first cousin that week to suicide. And so we got to talking, and I have this, uh, I love talking to young people, I love talking to college groups, and I have this deal I make with them, I tell them the truth. And uh, if I can't tell them the truth, I'll tell them that. And so it, it just changes the whole tenor of the conversation. And, and the other thing I'll do is I'll ask real questions. <clears throat> and I said, has anybody in the church ever talked to you about this? No. And I said, has anybody in the church ever told you that suicide is wrong. No one had talked to them, even though they're traveling with a nurse. And so there is a hurdle to jump over in the church. And I think that, not to not to be too hard on the church here, I think that, because uh, uh, I love the church, <laughs> but it was assumed that you knew this <laughs> as you came through the system. It's assumed that you knew that God was for life and that life is sacred. It's just like if you went on my uh, bookshelf and looked at my medical textbooks, you will not find a single sentence in there, don't spit on the OR floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it it's assumed that you know that. But I don't think that you can assume that young people know this. If you look at the things that can be streamed online, um, they they glorify death. They glorify suicide. They say that you are an accident and your life doesn't matter. And so I think that we can no longer assume that the next generation understands that life is a precious gift, that it's a sacred thing. Um, we have to articulate that and we have to show that to them. Well, yeah, I mean, again, this is not another topic, but, you know, when we allow abortion and we can kill little babies, that kind of mentality, that has just flowed into the church. And life is not sacred. When we don't understand the sacredness of life because we are created in the image of God, man, so we've got to, we've got to communicate these truths. And I think we have to begin to talk about some of the joy and the beauty yes. of following Christ. Yes. 
You know what I mean? I I get up in the morning and I can't wait to see what God's going to do <laughs> that day. I mean, he surprised me a lot of time, but to to know that you're loved and you know, I had spent most of my life not as a Christian. I know what it's like to live on the other side of that. I had money, I had power, <laughs> big house, all that sort of thing. All that's nice, but it's garbage comparing to the, the, the creator of the universe wanting to have a personal relationship with you. And I believe we get need to flesh that out more and 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 make it uh, and articulate it better. We're very good at the language of hell, by the way. We can talk about conflict and, and bad things happening all day long. There's multiple, multiple channels on it. We're the only ones here that can talk about beauty and truth and hope, those things those type of things, and we got to get better at it. I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. Absolutely. Matthew, talk to us about what we can do as a church to address this issue. Nancy, your wife, helped um, some some real practical pieces to the book. Talk about that to our listeners. So in the book, there's things like even, even, um, uh, you know, if you get a letter from somebody, I mean, literally, how often do you get letters in the mail? Send somebody a letter. Just say, I love you. I'm thinking about you. Because most people um, commit suicide because they think the world would be better off without them or they're just too lonely and in too much pain. And, and, and only love can conquer that, you know. Um, and uh, medicines can help, <laughs> okay, if somebody's depressed. I don't want to trash that or anything. But, but love is, is the glue that binds us together as a church and everything. So I think I give an example. If I went and spoke at a church at 11,000 people on that Sunday, it cleared out after the last service. I looked around. I was there with the guy who flew in to lead the praise from, from London and a couple other people. No one asked us to eat. I think every single church should have a ministry where if you come there looking for fellowship, if Jesus can teach for five chapters over dinner in the book of John, we can invite somebody out for a burger or pizza or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm serious. Yes. If you if you go for fellowship and there's none, um, you know, that that's tough. Um, and, and I think that we can in, tr- in church, particularly in small groups, um, uh, begin to destigmatize mental illness. Everybody's got somebody in a family that's struggling with it, or they themselves are. Where else are you going to go um, to find out that you're okay? And by the way, Jesus made absolutely no distinction between mental and physical illness. They are both a result of a fallen, broken world. Broken world. Yeah. He, if anything, he went a little bit more out of his way um, to help the people struggling with mental illness. And so um, uh, I think we have to begin to have small groups about it, talk about it, and that sort of thing, learn how to re-engage with this. We're at a point um, historically that the church was at when John Wesley came along. I'm going to give you a history of the church, uh, you know, weirdo medicine 101 or whatever. When Henry VIII kicked the Church of Rome out of England, he also closed all the hospitals. By the time John Wesley came along, you would not mention an illness in church because that simply meant that you weren't praying enough and you weren't right with God. You had an unconfessed sin or, or whatever. John Wesley wrote a medical textbook, and it was his best-selling book. It was in t- continual publications for 152 years, and it changed the church's attitude about dealing with physical illness. 
um, so that the first non-city hospitals that you have in the United States are 14 Methodist hospitals that opened. And now you got Baptist, Presbyterian, you know, every flavor of, of the, the church has. Um, the point being is that we've gotten to the same place with mental illness where there's such a huge hurdle that we need to re-engage with Scripture. What does it say about this? Re-engage with prayer. We need to be praying for people. We need to be writing to them, encouraging them, asking them into our small groups. And, the, and one of the other things I do in this book is there's a, there's a chapter just for pastors, and I know you have pastors uh, that listen to you. And is, pastors are human beings too, okay? They suffer from mental illness. They suffer from depression, suicidal um, thoughts. And one of the things that I do is talk about some of the other heroes of the faith, like Charles Spurgeon, Mother Teresa, suffered with depression. Is not that you're cursed somehow, but that you're living the human experience and that you need you need the church, you need Jesus, and sometimes you need medicines. You know, the the dark night of the soul is is mentioned in, in the church writings and, you know, Many people go through that and struggle, and that's again the opportunity for the church to minister. I got to put one thing in, yes, and that's that you can download off uh, our website, blessedearth.org, all the practical stuff out of this book. Okay, and it's really good stuff movies to watch, uh, books to read, songs to listen to, songs to listen to, practical things to help people who are discouraged, who are despondent. I'm gonna ask you to pray and pray us out. Would you please do that, Matthew? Heavenly Father, thank you so much, first of all, for this show and all the people that it's ministered to, including me, and and making me part of the fellowship of this. Um, I ask that you reach out to those who are listening, who know someone who is depressed or or is um, uh, thinking about themselves, and that you um, that you begin that healing process in them, and when they are redeemed and when they are saved, that they can sing your praises and give you all the credit and all the glory, just as I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, Amen. Thank you so much, Matthew. Thanks Thanks for having me again. You bet. There's someone you know who is internally in pain, and they want to be healed, but they are going to choose possibly the wrong way to quote-unquote heal themselves to make the pain end. Jesus came to heal and save what was lost. Someone you know needs to hear this message, and they need to hear, I love you and you matter. Buy the book, Hope Always, by Matthew Sleep, and you can go to our Facebook page, type in Solid Steps Radio, and we will have a link there to buy that book. Go on Amazon, type in Hope Always, and buy it. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.